2: Over the Cincinnati Bengals, the Steelers fall flat in week two against the New England Deflatriots. I mean, Patriots. What do the Steelers do now? There are many questions, but very few solutions at this point. But we here on the Steelers Fix are going to give you those answers today. It is the Steelers Fix here on Behind the Steel Curtain, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. My name is Andrew Wilbar, typically alongside Jeremy Betts. And you are going to hear Jeremy in the second half of today's show Jeremy and I, we just had too many schedule conflicts and it was just not going to work this week. So we decided we would each record half the show today and we're going to go topically. We're going to be basing it off offense and defense and what can be the solutions on each side of the football. So in the first half today, I'm going to be breaking down the offensive side of the ball and what could potentially fix this offense. And Jeremy's going to be talking about the defense. Well, the defense may not have As many issues or as prevalent of issues as the offense, there are still some concerns, especially as it pertains to depth. Without T.J. Watt, can the Steelers provide enough pass rush? Uh, That was an issue in yesterday's game. Can the Steelers find somebody else? Can Alex Highsmith still emerge without T.J. Watt opposite him? You know, what is going to happen with this team? Jeremy's going to break all that down for you in the second half of the show. We're going to start off today in the first half talking about the offense, and there's much to get to, but before we get into any of it, you can find Jeremy on Twitter at TheBets93. You can follow me at Andrew underscore Wilbar. Go and check us out on Twitter. And make sure you follow the Behind the Steel Curtain Twitter account at, at BT Steel Curtain. We put out great content each and every day for you, um, and we love to interact with each and every one of you. Uh, so be sure to go and check that out. I believe... That is everything. We got all that out of the way. So we're going to dive right into today's topic. Don't forget we have our special sessions that we're going to be doing each and every week throughout the college football season and NFL season. Jeremy's going to do the good bets and bad bets he's going to give approximately one minute each. Um, it'll be a two minute session. He'll be doing that in the second half of today's show. I will be doing my draft two minute drill, which will be later in the first half of today's show. But as mentioned, we won't need to talk about this offense. This is one of the hottest topics in the National Football League right now. What is the matter with the Steelers' offense? Finger-pointing is all... Everyone has their people that they want to blame. And I have my own person that I'm going to blame, and we talked about it for a little bit in last week's show. We're going to dive into it a little bit more extensively today, especially after the Steelers suffering a loss. Last week, we wanted to enjoy the win. We talked about unsung heroes, guys that deserve more recognition than what they were getting. This week, we're going to be talking about what the Steelers need to fix in order to be able to move on. Let's not forget, it's a short week. The Steelers are playing on Thursday night football against the Cleveland Browns. Don't forget the last time the Steelers played against the Browns on Thursday night football. I don't think any of us will ever uh, after what happened to Mason Rudolph and the Miles helmet incident. Uh, We're not going to dive into that today, but hopefully the Steelers can uh, get revenge and come on top on Thursday night. I'm going to give you three reasons why the Steelers offense is struggling and give a solution for each. We're going to start off with number three, and I mentioned him as an unsung hero in last week's show, and it's a guy who I'm going to defend. That is Mitchell Trubisky. He has been the topic of criticism by many Steelers fans. Many Steelers fans did not like the signing in the first place, and those same people are the ones who are unhappy right now. Mitch Trubisky was not perfect yesterday by any means. There were a couple times, a couple, not near as many as what people are claiming out on social media. If you pay attention closely, there were were a few obvious instances where he missed a wide receiver running downfield. It could have been a difference maker in the game by all means. I'm not saying that Trubisky is, there's no blood in Trubisky's hands after yesterday's game. But let's keep things in perspective. Mitchell Trubisky and we're going to get all this is going to correlate with my number one reason. It's going to come down to the play calling and the offensive line. We were going to talk about the offensive line last yesterday. I will say that the offensive line improved in pass protection. It was much better, but let's not forget that new England does not have the greatest pass rush. Cincinnati's pass rush is much better than new England's. Uh, new England is not expected to have a great pass rush this year. And I don't believe they're going to. And when you look at what the Steelers were faced against yesterday, Okay. Good for them. They, they show, they took a step forward, but if we're going to blame Mitch Trubisky for the passing struggles, shouldn't we then blame Najee Harris for the running struggles? I mean, after all, he hasn't surpassed 50 yards and 50 rushing yards in a single game yet this year in the first two weeks. Yes. He's had an injury, but it, he didn't look like he was terribly hampered by it. it look more to me like it was the offensive line, which again, we're going to get into in a second. I'm not going to get off uh, on a tangent there. But with Mitch Trubisky, the biggest key, and here's the solution to it, it's just becoming more aggressive. Trubisky second-guessing himself again, uh, which was this big issue in Chicago. The question has never been talent with Mitch Trubisky. He has good athleticism. He has a strong arm. And he has displayed the ability to be accurate. Going back to his days at North Carolina, the reason he went ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes was because he was more consistent. He was a more accurate passer. I mean, there is not that he just lost that concept of his game. The issue is becoming more aggressive. He's scanning the field. You watch his eyes. They're moving around. It's not like he's locking onto one receiver. He's not staring a receiver down. It's that either one, there were certain times when the receivers weren't open. More of that's because of play design, not because the receivers aren't getting open. The other reason is simply because Trubisky, whether it be because of the play calling, and he's just not confident in it. And we're going to talk about Matt Canada because at the beginning of the, it, it, this was actually the beginning of the offseason when the Steelers brought in Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky was the guy I felt was a perfect fit for Canada's offense, a guy who, you know, he can play under center. He can, he'll can he be used on the move a lot. He'll be rolling outside the pocket, and that's when Trubisky's at his best. We're not seeing that from Mitch Trubisky. I don't know who, whether this is Matt Canada's design. I mean, Andrew Filippone, who, you know, I typically disagree with, but he may actually have something here uh, about, you know, maybe Mike Tomlin's the one who is, wanting the offense to be run a certain way and that's what's causing the stall in offensive production as most definitely a possibility i'm not i cannot know for sure obviously i don't have any inside scoop to the steelers organization but i will say this it is not about Mitch Trubisky's ability, and it's not really about Mitch Trubisky's ability to scan the field. Is, a lot of people are claiming on Twitter and on all social media platforms that you know he's staring receivers down. He's not going through his progressions. He can't read a defense. He can, but when your receivers aren't open or they're running routes where it makes absolutely no sense, it's. I'm going to be careful what I say here because I, I, with Matt Canada he. His offense requires a certain type of players with certain skill sets. The issue is that the Steelers brought in many of those players this offseason. We know Kelvin Austin's not healthy yet, but he has pretty much every type of receiver that you need. The Steelers have a deep threat. They've got a big body. They have a route runner. They have everything that Matt Kanda needs to be able to run his offense and become creative with the playbook. The only thing that could stall it would be the offensive line or a change of game plan. I don't know which one that is, but one of those two or both are occurring because we are not seeing the offense that Matt Kanda had advertised and what we had seen in Matt Kanda, even in his days in college and the many different colleges that he was at. Uh, I mean, that's another thing to bring up with Matt Kanda. Why did he always, why was he always moving every single year? Why did he not stay in one spot for any length of time? Was he, you know, recommended to leave in certain places? Was he toxic for the locker room? Well, I'm going to see that this is the issue because we're looking, you know, Trubisky is supposed to be the point here that we're talking about. And we keep going back to Matt Canda. So you know where number one's going. So I'm going to move straight on to number two, and that's the offensive line. Again, pass blocking was much better yesterday, but where's the consistency in the run game? We're seeing nothing in the running game. Whether the offensive line be- can become a good passing blocking line or a run blocking line, if they can just become one of those two, this Steelers offense can function. They may be one-dimensional, but right now the Steelers are zero-dimensional at this point. Najee Harris, he is not so hampered by his Liz Frank injury that he suffered and his injury that was uh, aggravated in week one against the Bengals that he cannot rush for over 50 yards in the game. He did not look inc- – he may not have been 100% yesterday, but he did not look incredibly hampered. Like, oh, this is, guy should not even be out there playing. There was no place for him to run. And that comes down to the offensive line. Where's James Daniels? I mean, he has not made any difference in this running game at all. He's a great athlete, but is it, does that fall on Pat Meyer? Does it fall on the players? We don't know. Pat Meyer was the 31st, was the coach of the 31st rated offensive line in the National Football League last season. Guess who was worst? The Steelers. So the Steelers get rid, well, in a roundabout way of the offensive line coach, and they bring in. Pat Meyer. What do you expect Steelers fans? I I I mean we'll give Pat Meyer some time. We'll see if he can turn it around with the players that he has. And I'm not saying this is the most talented unit in the world, but Dan Moore did show some progression toward the end of last year. Chikumo Okorafor, he was solid in pass protection again yesterday. He's be taking a small leap forward, but the interior of that offensive line was supposed to be where it was at this year. Bringing in James Daniels, you got Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole is there. This unit is not working together, whether it be the scheme that is not fitting the players uh, strengths. I'm not sure, but whether it's Pat Meyer or the players themselves, this offensive line is not cutting it in one way or another. The first week, it was just bad on all, all, but the Steelers pulled out a miraculous win. It was because of the defense. Last this week, the pass protection was much better, but it was against a much weaker pass rush, and they still did nothing against the run. That has to change if the Steelers want to run the offense. They want to. When we were talking about when Mitch Trubisky came in, the Steelers want to win by defense and running the football, and Trubisky can make enough plays for the Steelers to win when it matters. Last week, the Steelers didn't have a run game, but the defense made up for it with an incredible performance. And then we saw Mitch Trubisky make enough plays at the end for the Steelers to be able to win. It wasn't super impressive performance by any stretch. But Trubisky did enough to win, and he's capable of doing that if the Steelers have some resemblance of a run game. And that falls on the offensive line, not Najee Harris. If you're going to blame Mitch Trubisky for the passing woes, you got to blame Najee Harris for the running woes. And I don't think anybody's ready to do that, regardless of how healthy Najee may be. That brings me to my number one reason, and I've mentioned it in both points. It comes down to Matt Canada. I'm going to pull this up. It was something that I believe the athletic mentioned and most people have heard all the comments that have happened after the game, specifically Mitch Trubisky, but also the wide receivers. I could understand a fan saying that this is Mitch Trubisky's fault. If nobody else besides him was saying that it is Matt, that, you know, the play calling could be part of the issue. Uh, Let me pull up the exact quotes. Let's start off with Mitch Trubisky when he, the first question that he was asked was asked about, you know, what the Steelers can do better on offense. You know, what, you know, what's the issue here? Trubisky answers by saying, call concepts to get receivers there. They he's talked about middle of the field passing. That was the talk of the whole off season. The Steelers are going to have a resemblance of a middle of the field passing game. The Steelers aren't going to just be this dink and dunk team. They're going to take a few more shots. They're going to be able to use the middle of the field better. I mean, it, You can't argue with the tape. If you go and watch the tape, I mean, the the play calling, some of it is just, it's like no different than last year with Ben Roethlisberger or go back to the days of Randy Figner. I mean, some of it, the the concepts just are not changing. It's, you know, short, these short little routes to the outside, get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quick. You can go back to the offensive line. Maybe the Steelers still don't trust the offensive line, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to coaching at some point, whether it is Mike Tomlin, Matt Canada, Pat Meyer, or some combination of all three. There's something wrong with the Steelers' coaching here. Call concepts to get receivers there. Trubisky wasn't the only one to say that, though. And by the way, Trubisky has never been a person to point the finger. Really, even in his time in Chicago, I mean, when they had issues with execution, he was not one who criticized Matt Nagy's game plan that often. He was, you know, pretty respectful of everything going on there. I'm not saying he's trying to disrespect Matt Kanda, but it was an obvious shot here. You know, okay, call concepts that get the receivers there. We didn't see a lot of Steelers receivers running routes over the middle of the field that were wide open. Okay. Deontay Johnson, we have to call the right plays to get down the field in the right ways. Chase Claypool, we can only do what they tell us to do and execute it. This isn't just one person. That tells me that this is either Matt Kanda or Mike Tomlin telling Matt Kanda how to run the offense. It's one of those two things. I be, I still believe, I don't, I, I believe Tomlin knows that he is more of a defensive-minded coach. He has his fingers on the defense, and I've critiqued stuff like that before, especially with the different coaching staff decisions under and some of the play calling decisions under Keith Butler, but on offense, I, does Mike Tomlin have a say in it or not? I don't know. The Steelers brought in Matt Candid to totally change this offense and the concepts that this offense ran. And it is no different, no different at all outside of an occasional jet sweep. I mean, that's literally the only thing that has changed. So when it comes down to, when push comes to shove, I believe this comes down to Matt Canada. I mean, there were reports that there was, you know, arguing amongst the the huddle when the play call was coming in. I mean, some of this stuff just does not make sense. It's not one person saying it it's multiple receivers. Plus the quarterback saying, okay, you got to call plays that are going to put us in a situation to succeed. If you want more middle of the field, passing, get receivers to run routes over the middle of the field, find new play designs that will get receivers open over the middle of the field. And the Steelers have not done that in the first two weeks. We'll see what happens as we move forward. But before all of you Mitch Trubisky haters say it's time to bring in Kenny Pickett, just remember that, I mean, I'm not saying Kenny Pickett wouldn't be any better with you know the situation. Maybe Matt Kanda would be more comfortable with a guy like Kenny Pickett uh, being under center. But at the end of the day, once you decide we're going with Kenny Pickett, you cannot go back to Mitch Trubisky at that point. If Kenny Pickett struggles, you're stuck with them because you've already told Mr. Trubisky we no longer believe in you and your ability to lead this offense. The Steelers need to ride with Trubisky as long as they possibly can. They need to exhaust every option, whether it be through uh, changing up the play calling or maybe, I mean, you can't really make an in-season coaching change at this point. It's not going to do a whole lot. And the Steelers are never the type of team to do that. So we can't count on that, nor can we really expect it to make a positive impact if the Steelers were to go in that route. But the, when push comes to shove, the quarterback is still not the issue, regardless of, you know, how many times you want to point the finger I'm Saturday. There were several times, again, that Trubisky missed receivers that were wide open. We have to remember that the biggest issue is play calling. Nobody can watch that game and say, man, these play designs, I, I mean, this is everything that we expected when Matt Kanda came in here. It, it, you guys want to move to draft stuff. I think I'm ready to move to draft stuff. Uh, but I'll let Jeremy, He's he'll probably give his comments on the offense as well. But I, and you know, maybe he'll get more insight on Trubisky and put more of the blame on Trubisky. But at the end of the day, I really don't think it's the quarterback. It, and Jeremy mentioned the play call in last week. I didn't mention it much, but I have become a believer that Matt Kanda is, once again, an offensive coordinator issue for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, because he has no excuses at this point. He has a quarterback who's led a team to two playoffs. He has an offensive line that spent a decent amount of money on the interior, at least, of the offensive line. And they also drafted George Pickens, who looks like a stud. You have Chase Claypool, who is remaining silent and out of drama. And you have Deontay Johnson, who is, by you know the means of most media members, you know, one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Matt Canada has no excuses at this point. Don't forget about Pat Friermuth either, who is, by the way, having a silently, silently having a really good start to his season. Not a whole lot of people are talking about him, but he's becoming one of the best tight ends in the NFL, which we expected, but it needs to be mentioned. But it's gonna, it's time to get into your draft, NFL draft two-minute drill. Let me get a timer out here because Jeremy is not here to time me and he'll have to time himself. Let's get the timer going here with two minutes on the clock. Again, we got to get some sound effects in here. But it was a great week of college football. And, and by the way, if you're if you're not big into the college football talk and NFL draft talk this early, you know, I hope you get some enjoyment out of watching some college football at least. The, the games have been fantastic this year. Even in, on weeks where we did not expect much to happen, there's either been a big upset or a game that just came straight down to the wire, or we had an impressive comeback. It's been that way every week. And you know, there's nothing like college football on Saturdays. This is the tradition, everything about it. Um, I really hope that you have a team that you can follow and just uh, sit back on Saturdays for some time and just enjoy some good college football guys that are playing for the integrity the guys that still, I mean, NIL has destroyed the game some, but let's not forget the fact that there are still many players that are out there playing because they truly care about the game. That kind of gets hidden in all the drama that surrounds NIL and everything going on into that. I'm not going to dive into that. We got to get two minutes on the clock here. I'm going to start it right here and now. So let's get going. The offensive tackles. Well, there's been a lot of talk about offensive tackles with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to start with one guy, Jackson Kirkland, six foot six, roughly 340 pounds, out of Washington. I got to be honest. I was highly critical of this guy coming into the season, but after this past week's performance against Michigan State, you know, I've got to reconsider my evaluation on him. He was faced against a solid Michigan State pass rush. He didn't even allow a pressure. Uh, you know, some people thought he may move inside to guard, you know, he, you know, maybe, you know, he has too many footwork issues. He's going to be a liability on the outside. Maybe he's still got a chance there. Let's see how he performs the rest of the season. Another guy who's kind of in the same boat is Zion Nelson, a little bit more slender of a guy, six foot five, 316 pounds, huh, slender, not regardless. I'm on the time I'm on a clock. So I've got to hurry up with this, but Nelson, he played very well against Texas a and It wasn't a losing effort, but more of that is because of a guy who is struggling, who I need to mention Tyler Van Dyke quarterback. For the Miami Hurricanes, struggling mightily could have been a first round draft pick at this point. I don't see it happening, just throwing that out there. But Miami ran for 175 yards on the ground, and Zion Nelson had a big part of that. So keep an eye on Zion Nelson as it, uh, the season progresses. Taiwan Garbutt is another guy. All three of these guys are going to be mentioned in this week's draft stock report. Go and check it out mid of this week on steelcurtain.com. What a stop shop for all things good for Steelers, but six foot one, two hundred and fifty five pounds. Garbutt, uh, he recorded only three tackles in the game, but all of them were tackles for loss. He had that one sack and four quarterback hurries. He was in the backfield all day. Granted, it was against Wofford, but it needs to be mentioned, he was all over the field on Saturday. A big piece of Virginia Tech's defense, and he's going to be tested coming up with several big games with NC State and Pittsburgh in the coming month. Yaya Diaby for edge rusher from LSU or from Louisville, excuse me, had two and a half tackles for loss and one and a half sacks. Another guy to keep an eye on. And then a couple of names, Griffin, a bear wide receiver slash tight end from Louisiana tech had five catches for 122 yards, a big game for him. Mo Ibrahim. If you're a team, that's in need of a running back. Hopefully this year's will not be. We trust in Najee, but 200 yards and three touchdowns and Al Walcott safety from Baylor is the other guy to keep an eye on for this week. Safety from Baylor who had two tackles for loss and nine tackles. All right, I went about five seconds over, but that is going to do it all for me this week. But do not go anywhere because when we come back, Jeremy is going to take over the show and break down the defense, probably give some thoughts on the offense as well uh, as he's gotten to hear uh, my thoughts on it. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Jeremy's going to take it over from here. I'll see you next week, Steelers fans, but we'll be right back after the break.
1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No
0: purchase necessary. BDW. Void. Were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: And welcome back to the second half of the Steelers fix. This is Jeremy Betts joining you. You just listened to Andrew Wilbar in the first half of the show uh, giving you his three things that would fix the Steelers offense. Here on the Steelers Fix we thought it would be a good idea to actually fix the Steelers ahead of their week three matchup against the Cleveland Browns and you heard the first half with Andrew Wilbar already. Uh, Fantastic stuff from Andrew as always and I'm excited to be giving you my keys to fixing the Steelers defense ahead of their matchup in Cleveland on Thursday. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not a one man show anymore in Pittsburgh on the defensive side of the ball because TJ Watt is out. We all know this. And, uh, obviously the, the true fix for this defense is getting TJ Watt back on the field, healthy as soon as possible and uh, that covers a multitude of evils, if you will. Uh, for this, uh, for this defense, we just didn't see guys step up. We just didn't see guys come together on the defense and and become a, a unit that could survive without TJY in in ways that made the that made this team what it should be uh, if they want to win games in 2022. And that's a defensive led team built on splash plays that gives the ball to their offense. Like we saw in week one against the Bengals and uh, doesn't put a lot on the offense to, to make it work. And you could argue, obviously that the Steelers did more than their fair share on defense to give the offense a chance in this game. And that is absolutely hundred percent correct. The Steelers' offense did not take advantage of any of the Steelers' defenses' great plays in the second half of this game, and we saw the one drive by the offense that they just marched down the field, they played with some tempo, and they scored a touchdown, and then the two-point conversion on an incredible catch by Deontay Johnson, and to be fair, a really good throw by Mitch Trubisky, putting it where only his receiver could get it. And DJ did it. He's going to do that a lot this year. Deontay Johnson is. Um, You know, it was was exactly what you wanted to see, and then it all died off. And the Steelers' defense got two three-and-outs in the fourth quarter, and the Steelers' offense responded with two three-and-outs of their own. I don't want to focus in on some of those things because we know that the offense's struggles are – Contributing to the Steelers' defense a little bit here. So let's focus on what the Steelers' defense can actually do better without TJ Watt in Cleveland to minimize his loss and help their offense out uh, even better. And we'll start with I'm going to give you three things here. Uh, Number one, figure out a way to pressure the quarterback without TJ Watt. It's as obvious as it gets, right? The Steelers went from 11 quarterback hits and seven sacks with T.J. Watt in the lineup against the Cincinnati Bengals on in week one, to zero sacks and three quarterback hits. That's abysmal for Blitzburg. And the reason why is they didn't Blitzberg. <laughs> I mean, the Steelers' defense ran a lot of four-man pressures. They did blitz with the linebackers a little bit, the middle linebackers. Uh, but you didn't see very much, uh, if at all, of the, the corner blitzes, they showed blitz a lot, but then they backed out of it a, a good majority of those times. And I think this uh, one of the things I was looking for in this game against the Patriots was creative blitz packages that minimized the loss of T.J. Watt, and we did not see that. Against the Browns, you're going to have to have these creative blitz packages. Blitzing the corner could be extremely effective uh, for Cleveland's play action game. And you've got to stay grounded in the run game. We'll talk about that here in a second as well. But you've got to be able to put pressure on Jacoby Brissett against or in Cleveland if you want to have any chances of success this week because the Browns' offense is designed around the running game, setting up play action, setting up the pass. And if you can disrupt that play action pass game with quick pressure from the edges, that is going to eliminate a lot of what Cleveland likes to do, and it could make them very one-dimensional and allow the Steelers to load up the box. That is a huge key for these, these Steelers going into Week 3, and it would be a huge fix for them uh, to, allow, to take a lot of the pressure off the back end of the defense and uh, take some pressure off the offense as well to have to be good, because they're not. <laughs> and uh, we weren't expecting the Steelers' offense to be a world-beater, we were expecting them to be better than they are, obviously. But the the, the Steelers' success this season hinges on this defense. Um, going on to my number two key, and that's going to be finishing tackles in the run game. The Steelers' defense was unable to get off blocks in the fourth quarter against New England and wrap up ball carriers. Uh... Damian Harris and Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson kind of had their way with the Steelers defense in the fourth quarter specifically and turned in a six minute and 33 second drive to close out the game. That is a ton of time at the end of a game for your offense, not to even get a chance because the defense couldn't make the stop. And yes, they were gassed. Yes. They've been on the field a lot, but to get beat like that at the line of scrimmage, that's not Steelers football and Cam Hayward and company will not give you any excuses about being tired. They just got to make plays. And honestly, that was a huge reason why they didn't have a chance at the end of the game is the Steelers' defense could not get the stops they needed in the run game at the end of the ballgame. And that is going to be huge against Cleveland. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt don't mess around, people. We know that. They're incredible runners, especially Nick Chubb, who just makes tacklers look juvenile sometimes high school level tackling because of just how powerful he is the contact balance he has uh, just the incredible way he runs the football and the Steelers are going to have to key in on this and they're going to have to make tackles when given the opportunity whether that be on the edges Nick Chubb is a fantastic runner on the edge getting outside making cornerbacks and safeties look silly in run support Akella Witherspoon and Levi Wallace and Cam Sutton are going to have to be on point against Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the edge if they want to be successful this week. So, minimizing what the Browns are able to do in the run game by getting off your blocks and making tackles, going to be huge for Pittsburgh in week three, short week, against the Cleveland Browns. All right, that leads me to my Third and final fix for the Steelers defense heading into week three. And that is create some splash. Make the plays that are there in front of you. Make a Fitzpatrick did that in the first half against the Patriots and gave the Steelers an opportunity to take advantage of it on offense. And Steelers offense couldn't quite do it. They, they kicked a field goal. Yes, that's great. Got a field goal out of it. Got some points out of it, but they should be able to do more. Minka Fitzpatrick made the play. Fast forward to the second half. Cam Sutton had the chance for an absolute game-changing interception in the third quarter of this game. And he just dropped it. I mean, the play was there to be had. The ball hit him square in the chest and he couldn't hang on. It was kind of an awkward... Low throw, but still, you've got to make that play if you're Cam Sutton. We've seen him intercept the ball and make that play before. He has to do it in that moment. What happens after that? The Patriots punt. Gunnar Olszewski absolutely muffs a uh, standard, as standard can be fair catch. And the Patriots are right there to recover it. We can talk about special teams gaffs uh, another time. That can't happen for Pittsburgh. And uh, they just don't have any margin for error with the, with the offense being as poor as it has been. And so you get a situation like that where Gunner O just muffs it, but what does it go back to? It goes back to not making the play when you had a chance to make the play. Cam Sutton dropping the ball, uh, that's, that's a, huge, a huge deal. And the Steelers have to, have to connect and make the play when it presents itself for the defense to make some splash and give their offense another possession. It just has to happen. That didn't happen in the second half of this game in the key moment on defense. In week three against the Browns, Jacoby Brissett is the kind of quarterback that's going to give you a chance most of the time. Going to give you a chance to make a play on defense. At some point in the game, he's going to Put up a pass that your defense is going to have an opportunity to make a play on. And when that happens, the Steelers' defense has to make that play. I don't want to come across as being super harsh on the defense because obviously we understand, we recognize that they played well enough to win this game. When you hold a team in today's NFL to under 20 points, you should have the offense enough to be able to get it done and, and pull out a win. So obviously the Steelers have a lot more to work on when they have the ball than when they're defending the other team. But that's not to say that the Steelers' defense didn't give up some opportunities here. And they did, especially here in the turnover-creating department. They had the opportunity to change this game and give new life to their offense. I mean, the Steelers had just scored their uh, their second field goal of the game, and Chris Boswell knocked in a 52-yard field goal uh, to to bring the score 10 to six. And so you saw a little bit of a momentum kind of pushing its way towards Pittsburgh, and it just totally went away. All the momentum swings back to New England. Because the Steelers didn't make the plays that were given them to make. So, Cam Sutton will be better. Not trying to throw him under the bus. Cam Sutton is is a very cerebral, cerebral player on this defense. He makes plays. But sometimes he does have the mental lapses here and there. Or the lapses in coverage. And you'd like to see that get a little bit better in the back end. And... Uh, You know, another one that we could even talk about is Akela Witherspoon on the 44-yard touchdown to Nelson Aguilar was absolutely in perfect position, perfect coverage, but he didn't finish. He didn't make the play when it was there. That should have been an easy pass breakup, at the very least. Could have been an interception, too. He played the ball like a receiver, that had beat his defender instead of the defender trying to do anything he can to keep the wide receiver from making that catch. He got mossed, (laughs) absolutely got mossed, got owned on that play because he didn't attack the football like he should have. And so there's, there's some blame to go around defense, not making the plays necessary to create some splash and give their offense another chance. So there you have it folks. That is, my three keys to fixing the Steelers' defense before they hit the road for Cincinnati. Let's figure out some creative ways to bring pressure. Alex Highsmith and Malik Reed aren't going to win on their own very much without T.J. Watt there to uh, draw the defense's attention. It's just not going to happen. They're not that type of player yet, especially not talking specifically about Highsmith. He's not the type of game wrecker that causes defenses to uh, totally focus their attention and give opportunities to other players. They got to win more one-on-one matchups. Yes. But the Steelers defensive minds, Tomlin, Austin, Flores, they've got to figure out a way to bring creative pressures During TJ Watson's absence. That's priority number one for this week. Uh, Number two, the Steelers' defense has to knuckle down in in the run game. Uh, That's the biggest key uh, against the Browns for sure. You got to stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Get off your blocks, make the tackle. And then thirdly, make the plays that are there, especially in the secondary, where you got to make that pass breakup, where you've got to. Make that interception that hits you in the chest. You just gotta do those things. If the Steelers do that on defense, we could be looking at a, a standout performance against the Cleveland Browns and one where their their offense might not have to be much better. Hopefully they are to win this game. So there you have it for the Steelers keys or the Steelers, the defensive keys for the Steelers to to fix their issues heading in to cleveland all right before i let you go just wanted to say uh thanks to andrew wilbar in the in the craziness of schedules this week for going ahead and doing the first half of the show by himself did a jam up job the steelers offense if they follow his keys they will get better they will be better this week um and so thanks to him for uh uh, taking on the first half of the show did a great job you can find andrew wilbar and myself on Twitter, and you can follow us on the uh, uh, the website as well. We'll be posting articles this week uh, in preparation for the Steelers game. And uh, I hope you uh, had a chance to listen to Andrew uh, talk about his uh, collegiate players that stood out uh, to him this week. And uh, I know a great group of guys that, that had some some good games and will be targets potentially for your Steelers in the 2023 NFL Draft. So I'm going to get to my two-minute drill here. Uh, good bets and bad bets, and we're c- coming at this from a fantasy football perspective. We started this last week uh, for for me, my two-minute segment at the end of the show, uh, fantasy football oriented. Okay, and uh, we're going to talk good bets and bad bets, guys. That that had good performances that you can bank on that moving forward. I, I believe you can uh, and bad performances that uh, might be something to keep an eye on and and be wary of as you head into the remainder of the fantasy football season. We're going to start off a two-minute clock, and I've got to get this done in two minutes. Last week was a struggle, but we're going to try and be a little bit better this week. And I've got two minutes on the clock. It's time for good bets and bad bets. Starting... Now, so what I really loved best about this week, is the best bets of the week is the Dolphins' offense. Man, we were concerned that they wouldn't be able to make it work with all the weapons. Well, if anything like Week 2 keeps happening, doesn't matter. Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, those guys need to be in your starting lineups. Tua tonga himself needs to be in your starting lineup. Uh, you know, if he keeps playing like this, if he's if he's going to put up competent quarterback numbers and 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 more then he's a fantasy asset for you this year you may have drafted him as your qb2 he might be pushing for your qb1 spot before too long loved what i saw out of the miami offense 44 points for tua 42 points for hill and 40 points for jalen waddle in standard ppr scoring that is incredible production out of three players on the same team Insane. Aaron Jones for the Green Bay Packers. His usage was awesome, Sunday night football, and he took advantage of it to the tune of 32 PPR fantasy points. Incredible stuff. And then I wanted to talk about Garrett Wilson from the New York Jets. 30 fantasy points for Garrett Wilson in PPR uh, production. He had an incredible performance and uh, has... Really built up a connection with Joe Flacco. We'll see how that continues uh, when when uh, Zach Wilson comes back. But keep an eye on Garrett Wilson as a guy to maybe bump up on your rosters. Uh, could be a, a wide receiver too, potentially moving forward. And then some things I didn't like. Najee Harris, we got to talk about that. Only 13 fantasy points in week two. Two, coming off of a game where he only scored, I believe, 10 points in Week 1. Not great for the Steelers' star running back. Hopefully that improves as the season goes along. Not liking what I'm seeing out of Najee. And that does it for me. Time is up. Good bets and bad bets. I spent a lot of time on the good bets again this week, but I was super pumped about Tua and, and the Dolphins' offense. Incredible performance out of those guys, and as a bonus, Christian Kirk. Man, Christian Kirk is feasting in this Jaguars offense, but that's just extra credit for you there. Alrighty, that's going to do it for the Steelers' fix this week. Thank you for putting up with our crazy different episode this week. We'll be back, hopefully in a normal capacity, together for next week, and uh, hopefully talking about a Steelers' victory and uh, a week of prep for the uh, week four matchup against the New York Jets. I'm Jeremy Betts, and for Andrew Wilbar, who did a fantastic first half of the show, this is the Steelers' fix. We'll talk to you next time.
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.